I wonder if you've ever been in a meeting and someone's been teaching, I'm sure this isn't true at St. Paul's, but someone's been teaching and what they've said has just gone straight over your head. Has that ever happened? You know, you've been in a world of your own. And they've been teaching and at the same time they're teaching, you're making a list of what you've got to do tomorrow. And you're thinking about what happened last week and you're planning for something this week. Has that ever happened to anybody here? Has that, have you? Oh. That's quite discouraging, really. Has that, has that ever happened to anybody while you've been here? <laughs> yes, okay. We want to be honest here. It probably has. Um, well, that's how this Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, sort of begins and, and how some people may have heard it. Let me read it to you. Um, we're looking from verse 13, but I'm going to nip back to the beginning of it um, uh, uh, this evening. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. One day, as the crowds were gathering, Jesus went up the mountainside with his disciples and sat down to teach them. And this is what he taught them. He says, God blesses those who realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is given to such as these. And Jesus at this point would have been looking out across the crowds. And he's saying to the crowds, you know, guys, if, if you recognize your need for the kingdom of heaven, if you recognize your need for God, God will bless you. In other words, if there's a hunger inside you to search God out, God will meet that hunger. He will come and answer the need that is in your life. And no doubt they were listening to that and thought, well, that's, that's very good. And then he says, well, God blesses also those who mourn, those who are, are struggling, for they'll be comforted. That's great teaching. You, you mean God's interested in my brokenness? God's interested when I'm hurting? Yes, he is. God blesses those who are gentle and holy, for the whole earth will belong to them. God blesses those who are hungry and thirsty for justice. For God has a heart for them. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And no doubt those who are listening to this beginning of the Sermon on Mount were going, I'd like, that's me, I'd like to be included in that. This is this general teaching, general truths of the kingdom of God. I'd like to think that that's true of me. I'm hungry and thirsty for righteousness. I'm I'm hungry and thirsty for justice. I, I hunger after God. I have a desire to know more of God. These general, general truths that Jesus uh, is teaching. And uh, no doubt, these some, in, in some way, these objective truths would have gone into the people's hearts. Why were they listening to Jesus at this point? Why had the crowd gathered? Just jump back to the end of uh, the previous chapter, chapter 4, will you? And uh, in your Bibles, and uh, reading from verse 23, it says this. Jesus travelled throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues. I've got one of these terribly irritating Bibles from America, so it's all spelt wrongly. Travelled has only got one L. It's very frustrating. Jesus travelled, spelt wrongly, throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching everywhere the good news about the kingdom. And he healed people who had every kind of sickness and disease. And news about him spread far beyond the borders of Galilee. So that the sick were soon coming to be healed from as far away as Syria. 
And whatever their illness or pain, or if they were possessed by demons or epileptics or were paralyzed, he healed them all. And so large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, and all over Judea, from the east of the river, uh, and, from, and from all over Judea, and from the east of the river Jordan. So these people, these crowds have come in from all over the area to hear Jesus teaching. And they're gathering because Jesus has demonstrated, it said there at the end of chapter 4, Jesus demonstrated in some way that he is the answer to their prayers. If, if you are hurting, he says, I can heal you. And he's demonstrated the kingdom of God in their lives. They've experienced healing from whatever it might be. And of course he goes on and commissions us to do exactly the same. And, and as they gather in this large crowd gather um, uh, to listen to him, they realize that actually uh, this man is worth listening to. Blessed are those, he says in this general teaching. And then tonight's passage, just at the end of those blessed are those bits, he's still facing this large crowd and he changes the tempo a little bit. And he says this, he says, you, not blessed are those, the general picture, blessed are those, that's the whole, all of us, isn't it? Blessed are those, I can be included in that, that's right, that's not threatening, we're in the general mill of things here, I'm part of the crowd, this isn't a challenge to me, blessed are those, he says. Then in verse 13 he says, and you, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is it if salt loses its flavour? You, he says, are the light of the world, verse 14. To this huge crowd, he says, look, it's not just about coming to me. If it's just about coming to me, this, is gonna, this, this whole kingdom ministry thing is going to stumble at the first fence. It's going to fall over. If it's only about coming to me, Jesus is saying. He says, you're blessed. If you've got this, if, if you've got an understanding of the picture of God, if you've got an understanding of what it means to be someone who seeks after God, if you've got an understanding of what it is to have a heart that is like God's, a heart that seeks justice, a heart that wants to help the poor, a heart that wants to bring change, you're a blessed person, he says, and therefore you, you. And I, I think probably at this point his focus changes from looking over the whole crowd and perhaps he looks at a few individuals. You, he says. You. You, you, you are the salt of the earth. You're the one that's going to bring change. You're the one that's going to bring light into your community. You're the one that's going to change the flavour of your workplace. You're the one that's going to bring uh, life in your home. You're the one that's going to introduce God. Because if you're blessed with this general knowledge, if, if God has in some way interacted in your life, you've got to take it out and change other people's lives. You ought to be change agents. You're the ones to bring life and light on the earth. You're the ones who will dispel darkness and re-establish the practices and principles of the kingdom of God here on earth. You know, lots of people, and it would have been true of this crowd as they gathered to find healing, lots of people come to God through crisis. And that's okay. It doesn't matter how people come to God. I, I didn't come to God through a crisis. I came to God because I really liked the look of a young girl in church when I was a teenager. That's how I came to God. I came and I thought, she's really nice. And so I came to God. In the end, she married me, which is a very good thing. But we come to God. We come to God. We come to God because we think, you know, whatever it might be. I came to God looking for a little girl called Lindsay. 
and, 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 and listened for two years to all these people in church, and they sang songs, and I thought, well, I don't know. I can't see why they're getting excited about these songs. And there was one guy in church, his name was Paul, and he used to raise his hands in the air. And sometimes in the worship, I would do a countdown. I think it's coming. I can feel the temperature going up in the way. And I go, here he goes, five, four, three. Sometimes I get it bang on, and I'd be on the back row going, yes, got it. And I knew, I knew his arm was going to go up like that. Two years, I sat there and listened. I sat there and listened to what went on. And then at some point, I thought, this is extraordinary, actually, because these are very intelligent people. And they believe this stuff. And then started asking for myself. And realized, blessed are those who realize their need of God. Blessed are those who realize that actually you can have the same heart as God. Blessed are those who live their lives to make a difference here on earth. Blessed are those who would choose to accept Christ as their Lord and Saviour. And I got that, and I thought, well, that, I'm, I'm going to get that. And I decided to become a follower of Christ myself. But then when you become a follower of Christ, suddenly, not me, he says, I can... These crowds who offered healing, he was the one who seemed to have wisdom on mankind's problems. He was the one who allowed us to have access to the kingdom of God. But his, his ministry here on earth was not just about seeking to bring healing into people's lives. His ministry here on earth was about passing the baton on. His ministry here on earth had a greater and bigger purpose. And he turns to his disciples and to the crowds. And he says, it's about you. This is the mission. It's about taking God's truth out, these broad teachings out, taking his power out into the world and making a difference in people's lives. It's about you. And when I said to you, turn and tell the person next to you something good that's happened to you, you all had a story to tell. We all have a story to tell. Something good would have happened this week. We've all got a story to tell. The thing is, our conversations can always have either a moment's significance or an eternal significance. Just by dropping in a seed of the kingdom of God. What good thing happened to you this week where God was involved? What good thing happened to you this week where your life was changed or someone else's life was changed, where God had spoken to you, where there was a, a different direction in your life because of what God had done? I, I had... Um, uh, just tell a little testimony this week. Just the little things that happened, isn't it? On Tuesday morning, um, I was um, having a conversation with, with my wife and, and, and we were uh, talking about the day and I said, I, I don't know, I wonder if I ought to go and see my mother. It's always a big thing, isn't it, for us if, we're, if you're over there. Should, should you go and see your mother or not? And I had this funny feeling I should go and see my mother. So I said, I think I might go and see my mum and, and my senior management team she said that's a good idea so I phoned my mother and said hi mum it's Mark here she said oh it's so kind of you to phone I said oh okay and she said yes she said I'm black and blue I said are you she said yes and she went on to describe what was wrong with her and I was thinking on the phone I was thinking I obviously should know about this <laughs> but I haven't got the fuckiest idea so I, we piled in the car and uh, we went up to see her and um uh 
she said, well, it's no good coming today. She said, well, really, because you, your father's going out to the blind club, so he won't be around. I said, oh, we're not coming to see him. We're coming to see you. She said, oh, are you really? That's very kind of you. So we went out. Went up to see my mum, and she told, me, she told me how she'd slipped over on the grapes in Tesco's. It was Actually, I, th- I think it sounds very funny. She slipped over on the grapes and, and did her whole side in. She kept saying to my mum, black and blue. I said, well, you look fine, because she had clothes on, so I couldn't see it. I said, you look fine, mum. I think you're all right. So she took us out for an ice cream to celebrate us going up there, which is you know, the sort of things mothers should do, isn't it? So we, we went out to celebrate. But I, I, I think, I think... God prompted me to phone my mother. Now, she really appreciated it. It's just a little thing, but I think that's the sort of thing that God does all the time. And into that situation, you bring a little bit of light. You take a little bit of salt. You bring a little bit of change. They're the sort of situations that we can share with others uh, all the time. Jesus hands over the mission to the world and I be- uh, to us, and I believe that, that the world is crying out today for an answer. You know, we live in times of economic crisis, of political st- scandal, of leadership failure, of moral decay and religious disintegration. Someone has got to provide a hope and a new way out, something that is greater and worth living for. And I believe that we, with a Christian message, have that message that is worth living for. I think that the Christian message, the re-establishing of the things of the kingdom of God here on earth, is what we're called to do. And Jesus handing it over now gives us two aspects of that mission. First, he says, we're to be salt. You're the salt of the earth, he says. But what good is salt if it loses its saltiness? Can you make it useful again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. This evening, I think I want to make a very simple plea. I think that in the context, Jesus is saying these things. He's looking out on the crowds and he's saying... You are to be the agents of change. And I think the message is an evergreen message. It's as true then as it is today. It's as true today as it was then. It's an evergreen message. I don't think there's a better illustration of a change agent than salt. Just a little bit and it makes a difference. But he says to the crowd as he looks out to them, what good is salt if it's lost its saltiness? if it's lost its flavor, if it's lost its strength. And I think he's looking out at a Jewish community of believers and he's saying to them, I think possibly you've blended in too much. People can't taste the difference anymore. Here are the general truths. We know this about God. If you talk to lots of people, I can't remember the results of the last survey that was done. If you talk to lots of people, they go, oh yeah, I believe in God. I believe in God. You know, it's a general picture, I believe in God. Well, 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 blessed are those who do. But you've got to do more than believe in God. We've got to go change the world. That's what we've got to do. That's what God calls us to. He calls us to be agents of change. He says you can believe in God and you can blend in. And make no difference. That salt that's lost its saltiness, that's lost its flavor, that doesn't bring change. And he looks out at the crowd that have got this general understanding of of who God is. And he says, but don't just believe the general truths. Live this out in your life. Be people 
who become agents of change. Be strong in your faith. This is about you, he says, not about me. You're the salt of the earth. You're the ones that are going to make a difference. You're the ones that are going to influence people in a kingdom way. I don't think there's ever been a more important time for us to rise up and regain our strength. The Christian church is often disregarded and it doesn't necessarily have a voice that it should have. It's been really interesting, isn't it, over the last couple of weeks, watching what's going on at St. Paul's Cathedral. And do you know that that news has gone around the world? It's on all the major news stations around the world. Trouble is, it doesn't show the church in a very good light. We've got some people camping outside. Let's kick them out. Well, that's not what should happen. Someone should have gone out and gone, we're right with you guys, but just make an alleyway through, will you, to let people keep coming to the church house of God. It's very simple. And when they did it wrong, someone should have gone out and gone, Excuse me, guys, we got that wrong. Really sorry. <laughs> uh, we're with you. Can you just make an alleyway through to people to come to the house of God? So we can be, we, you know, what right have we got to say don't camp on the pavement, for goodness sake? Let them camp on the pavement. This is a deeper and richer and more complicated protest than that. And I don't, I don't necessarily think that they're going to make a huge difference by being there. But, but they are making a stand. And, but I think there's something throughout the core of society that is more rotten than blaming a few people in the city, uh, actually. The Christian church needs to have a voice again across this nation that tells the good news stories. We need to regain the strength of the Christian message, to stand in unity together and live out this radical message, this radical community of Christ that we're called to do. To stand as radical Christians, loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. Putting him first in all things. To be a people who are committed to justice. To be a people who are committed to mercy and helping those in need. To be a people who are regularly on our knees in prayer. Not just for the needs of the church and our own needs, but friends, for those around the world who are asking for help. I think that the difference will come when we as a Christian community become even more committed to prayer and fasting and intimacy. When we become even more committed to the things of the kingdom of God. I think that this difference will come when we are a people who live lives that are self-controlled in such a way that we live a life of regular fasting, of regular dedicating ourselves and putting ourselves under the rule and reign of God. Here's how we're to be the salt of the earth. We're to put ourselves under the lordship of Christ. We're to be a people who allow prayer to direct us. We're to be a people who are self-controlled to live out the kingdom of God in the way that Christ called us to. We're to be a people who seek intimacy with God in all things. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. But he doesn't just say that. Salt changes things, doesn't it? We can change what we've got. We can change what's there. We can change what's going on. But he says it's more than that. He says you ought to be the light as well. What does a light do? A light shows the way. Salt changes what we've got. Light directs us for the future. This is what we're working towards. 
Let people see, let your light shine. Let people see our good and noble deeds. You know, the world will never understand our worship. There's a passage in scripture that talks about casting pearls before swine. And uh, and I'm trying to be careful how I say this, but I don't think... I don't think that um, coming into a church that has the most amazing worship in the world will necessarily change people's hearts. I don't think people who are outside of the kingdom of God can necessarily understand worship. I, I, I just don't think that will happen. Some will. Some will really get it. But I don't think many will. I, I, I don't think God says to those who are outside of the Christian church, outside of the Christian family, go find a church. You don't find many people say that. I'm not a Christian, but I was this week sitting at my desk and I heard God say, go find a church. So here I am. I've not heard many people say that as they come through the doors here. But I think God does say to the Christians, go find the lost. He doesn't say... It's not all attractional. It's not all about come to us, we've got the best worship services. It's about going to be the lights in the workplace, in the world. People don't understand our worship, but they will understand our praiseworthy efforts. They will understand our acts of goodness. They will understand our dealings. And they will understand when we help the poor and the broken. They will understand when we walk with the financially bankrupt, when we walk with a single mum or the single dad. They will understand when we care for the widow and the widower. They will understand when we help the homeless. They will understand when we provide food and shelter for those who need it. That's justice. They will understand when we hold the cause of those in need high in society. They will understand. Mission in the church is not just about attractive stuff in the in the church. It's not about just about come to us for a great worship service. It's about go to the least and the last and the lost. It's about going and being salt and light in society. I wonder if you feel up for that. Jesus was so up for it, he went to the cross for it. He said, this is the way to live. He came and demonstrated it. Notice his whole ministry is not in the church. His whole ministry is out in society. His whole ministry is about what we do Monday through Saturday. His whole ministry is about what we're involved in at other times of the week. And we need those fuel stops. You know, I think we need to be involved in a life group. I think we need a... You can't run a car without stopping at a petrol station at some point. You know, and, and, and the more you give out, the more top-up you need, actually. And so it, it, when we give out during the week, we need those pit stops, um, uh, the things that keep us going. And so we need those fuel stops. So we need midweek groups, and we need Sunday worship together to encourage us to tell the story. Chris was inviting people up to tell the story. What was God doing this week? We should, on a Sunday, that's what we should be doing, coming and telling the story. This is what God's done for me this week. I know, because I've spoken to quite a few of you, I know there's lots of stories of God in this congregation this week. I know, there's lot, I know God's been at work. We should be telling those to each other. 
celebrating them, encouraging one another. And then, having been encouraged and inspired, going out to be salt and light. So Jesus, in our reading this evening, he just says this. He says, Don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand and let it shine for all. In the same way, let your good deeds shine. Shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. Let our good deeds, the things that we do throughout the week, point people to our Heavenly Father. We're to be salt and light. I think it's an incredibly challenging part of the, of the, the Sermon on the Mount. It's not just the general truths, it's personal challenges. Jesus hands over the mission right here at the beginning. It's about you and about me. So, where are you going to be salt this week? Where are you going to shine light this week? Where are you going to make a difference this week? Whose life are you going to bless? Are you going to have a conversation with an eternal significance in it? Are you going to introduce God in some way? Are you going to say to someone, when they say to you tomorrow morning, do you have a great weekend? Are you going to say to them, yeah, I went to a great firework display or whatever. If you did, maybe you didn't, I don't know. In our house, it sort of bypassed us. At about nine o'clock last night, I said to Lindsay, I said, oh, there's some fireworks outside. We drew the curtain to watch them, and then they stopped. So we missed the whole lot, really. Are you going to say we went to a great firework display? Or are you going to say, well, yeah, we went to a firework display, and actually went to church and heard this or discovered that or met this person or whatever it might be and that God is at work and so all of a sudden the conversation goes down a different path 